Why are people going to love episode one? I'm going to tell you a story about a cold, callous killer. And in spite of her identity being known to law enforcement, she will go on to claim more victims in the future than she has the past. And there's nothing anybody can do to stop her. Her name? Wee Wee. Welcome to Socialite Crime Club. Yeah, 2013, Maybe. 2014. I think you're right. 2014, uh, Kim Kardashian. I actually have a picture. Uh, Kim huh. Kardashian does a is. photo shoot. I can. And, she, you know, I heard about this, but I never looked at it. I just, I, I've never been a big Kardashian fan. Don't mm-hmm. judge me for that. But I never really paid attention to this. I remember hearing about it. When I did research to this episode, though, I saw this picture and then I saw all the other. This wasn't a butt shot. Like, she does a full spread. Like, it's all out there. All of her gigglies and biglies are, are out there. Is is this magazine, can I say the name of it? Uh, of course you can. No, it's it's paper. Like, this is it. Can I, is this a... Is this a nude magazine? What is this? No, it's a magazine on New York. And here's the irony of 2014 in the Kardashians. A magazine named Paper does a photo shoot with Kim Kardashian that's digitally published on the internet and the paper magazine breaks the internet with Kim Kardashian's butt. That is ironic. She's very shiny in that photo. Oh, no, that's all natural. That's a Kardashian shine. Um, oh. It's actually what made the Kardashians oh, really yes. famous and popular. No, that's mm-hmm. totally natural. That's how things are supposed to look. I see. Yeah. And the reason we're making this little pit stop in 2014 is our case, which we're going to start talking about right now, happens in 2015. So let's just start with the 911 call. And we're going to go to Dallas, Texas, and we're going to be in a little warehouse district within Dallas, Texas called Deep Ellum. Uh, Deep Ellum actually Early, early in the days, Henry Ford had one of his first Ford automotive plants in Deep Ellum. That's where it kind of grew up. Uh, it was kind of uh, uh, this manufacturing district for a while. Then it went to a complete shithole for a while. And then it comes back as kind of this artsy district within Dallas. So within Deep Ellum, um, the Dallas Police Department is going to get a, a 911 call. It's going to be on February 19th. It's approximately 7, 7.15 in the morning. And the caller identifies herself as Alicia. Alicia is telling the dispatcher, hey, I just came to work. I work at this lash studio, like Mm -hmm. for eyelashes and whatever else they do there. And I got here today and I went in one of our back rooms and there's this lady laying on a table and she's cold and hard to the touch, which. Which means dead. I think it's safe to say, like, I'm no doctor, but I've dealt with what I would say hundreds if not a thousand dead bodies in my career and yeah typically when we're like oh that's hard and cold it's not good right um so they go ahead and they roll obviously a a, an officer out there and officer angelina 
Angelino? Angelino. Angelino. Um, it just kind of, it makes yeah. you think about how you say it. It's like uh -huh. one of his names, Angelino. So yeah. Officer Angelino pff, rolls into the scene. But you remember, he's patrol this officer. gold chain. <laughs> I'm not saying he's got a gold chain or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh -huh. um, and as a patrol officer, he's going to be like, yep, she's dead. I'm secure in the scene. <laughs> like, typically patrol officers don't want to deal with that too much. Call investigations. Right. So he shows up and confirms, yeah, she's definitely dead. Um, the next person on scene is going to be a crime scene investigator by the name of Officer Bazan. And okay. Officer Bazan starts to make some really critical observations. Um, number one is he walks into this lash studio. It just reeks. There, and I don't mean smell-wise. I mean this isn't right. This is fishy. <laughs> yes, something is wrong. And what he notices immediately, there's no product. There's no trash cans. There's no furniture for the most part. Like, it looks super sterile. It looks like, hey, I want to rent this place as a lash studio, but I'm not running a lash Got studio. Got it. He goes into the back room, and he sees the victim lying on this table. There's a sheet on the table, which is also, to me, very telling. As an investigator, I'd be like, wait, why is there a sheet on the table? Under her body. Under her body. And when I say the table, I would explain this as like a massage table, like one of those portable, cheap massage tables. Okay. So there's this sheet underneath her. She's lying face up. Um, her pants are pulled down just above like her pubic area. So not okay. where they should be at her hip area, like but pulled down. So that's a little odd. There's a little bit of blood on the sheet. And then this one just screams crime scene. Okay. There's two pieces of identification for her on the sheet, perfectly positioned. No purse, no phone, no other anything. Just two pieces like, hey, cops, when you discover her, here's who she is. Like, it's this yeah, really weird. Like, what woman walks around without well, here's, a purse here's the when kicker. they go into, like, a lash salon? 100%. Her car is still parked out front. No purse, no phone in the car. So mm. it's just, eh, it just doesn't seem right. Um, now, from that point, they're going to basically ring the bells. Hey, we have a full-on, potentially a homicide investigation going here. The next person that's going to show up is the medical examiner. And I want to speak a little bit of about the medical examiner. One of the things we really want to push on our series of episodes here is we really want to get into some of the procedures that happen and why. Um, I feel there's a lot of information out there where people will regurgitate these different crime stories, but they kind of skip what I feel are important pieces. And it's hard for me to listen to them sometimes because I'm like, well, wait, there's a reason this is happening. Right. Um, what a lot of our listeners may not realize is law enforcement cannot manipulate a dead body. Like, I can show up on a scene and I can be like, that person's dead. But technically, if I start touching and moving and manipulating that body, right. it's illegal. Like, I have to have a medical professional who's trained, and that's typically the medical examiner. <laughs> it reminds me of a story. I had this sergeant once who remained nameless. Um, there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this who are going to be like, I know who he's talking about. Um, <laughs> but I had this sergeant, and we're on the scene. This dude got shot. I don't remember how many times. But there's these bullet holes, and he's looking at it, and he's like, that's a 38. And I'm like, I was a young detective at the time, and I'm thinking. How does he know that? How do you know that's a 38? And I'm it's really good. like, yeah, wow, this guy's amazing. <laughs> it wasn't later into my career that I realized, no, he's completely full of shit. Like, bullets do a lot of crazy things before they hit somebody sometimes. And the difference between a 38 and a 9 millimeter, like, you literally have to have, like, this crazy tool to measure the difference so the whole thing he's sitting there looking and i'm like well how do you know and he's got a pair of gloves on and he takes his pinky and he sticks it into the bullet hole he's like no kind of like like oh, working no. it in there oh yeah and i'm just like amazed by man this guy's the real deal and he pulls his finger out and he's like yep 38 what 
an idiot. About 10 years later, I realized because I had advanced enough in my own career. That you have to tell me who this is later. I won't. Um, not only was he completely full no, of shit. No, in private. But he just committed a crime. Like you yeah. can't you jack have, with the body. You could have put handcuffs on him right then. Well, and what's the evidence? Like, how did we destroy evidence by sticking? Like what? Right. Ugh, it, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so anyway, there's a reason for this. And the idea here is we need somebody who's trained within the medical field to observe the body. So the medical examiner is going to show up on scene. And this is going to be the first examination of the body. I want our listeners to, to really hear me here. Anytime we have cops explaining the manipulation of a body outside of a medical examiner, we are destroying evidence. And this also goes for fire department because we had this crazy policy that in order for me to claim somebody was dead, I had to have the fire department show up and put the leads on and your know, little thing doesn't go yeah, beep, beep, yeah. beep, beep, and, beep, and Regardless of what happened, they could have killed themselves and blown their entire head off. I had a case where this guy used a high power rifle Same. underneath his chin, his entire head was gone. Yeah. And the fire department's like, well, let us stick the leads on. And I'm like, oh, yeah. he doesn't have a head. Even if he's alive, like what's the quality of life? Right. What's the quality? Just leave him be. <laughs> Just let it be. Um, anyway, get back to the story. Well, I was going to say, we, we actually called our fire department the evidence eradication team because <laughs> of this. So I just want people to understand like, hey, we need these medical examiners. The medical examiner is going to start the review of this body. And as they rolled the body over, remember I said the pants were slightly pulled mm -hmm, down. Mm -hmm. On this victim's butt cheeks, there's two butt cheeks, obviously. On one side is just a hole with this viscous, clear liquid oozing out as they roll the body over. Okay. Like, On the other butt cheek is a cotton ball that appears to be glued to the butt cheek, but there's because blood around the base of the cotton didn't ball. fall off when they rolled her over. Well, no, the other one didn't even have a cotton ball. It was just exposed. Right, and no, 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 I'm saying the one was still sticking yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Um, okay. so, so obviously the medical examiner's like, okay, that's not normal. Um, they make some other observations, but at this point they're basically going to package the victim up and they're going to go to the, uh, the medical examiner's office where an autopsy will be performed later. Um, the lead detective is now assigned to this case, which is Detective Tabor. And Detective Tabor's going to come in. They're going to process the scene. They're going to grab some DNA. We'll talk about that later, or swab, at least, for some DNA. Um, but he's going to make the same observations. The scene is way too sterile. It's way too clean. They're, they've identified the victim at this point based on the ID that was perfectly left out for them. But he's got the same questions. Where's her purse? Where's her her phone? Her personal How'd belongings. How'd she get here? So she's going to go, or he, uh, Detective Tabor, is going to go back to Alicia, our reporting party who called 911. Hey, Alicia, what's up? Oh, by the way, can I get some identification? Because I need to know who you are. Alicia's going to say, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was working here last night and this lady actually came in last night to our salon. She said she wasn't feeling well and wanted to lay down. So we were like, okay, you can lay down and you can go in this back room and lay down and it's all good. And Alicia's like, well, and then I left later. I didn't even realize if she was back there or not. I didn't know. I went home. Did she say what time she came in? She's very vague, sometime early evening. Um, she doesn't start committing to times at all. And we've got to talk about this just a little bit because when Alicia hands Detective Tabor her ID, her ID is for Jimmy Joe Clark. And we're going to go back and forth on this a little bit. And I, I want to be really sensitive to this topic. And I want to kind of explain to our listeners. Um, Alicia is transitioning. 
nothing wrong with that. Good for her. Okay. Um, but in the police reports, as we start to go through this, when she gets booked, when other things come up, she's going to be booked as Jimmy Joe Clark. And it's not meant to be offensive. And if I'm going back and forth through this story and I start saying Jimmy Joe or Alicia, I just want to be really clear. There's no offense intended here. I completely understand she's transitioning and there are okay. no issues with that. But for law enforcement, when we go into court to testify, Alicia is going to be sitting in the courtroom. And it's very common as I'm testifying to be asked, do you recognize who this person is? And we're working off of IDs at this point. We're working off of who we know. So if I go back and forth, that, that's the whole purpose. Well, and a historical understanding of who that person is as well. Because Jimmy Joe could have had 18 burglaries under her belt before she was the age 18, right? So hundred percent. We've got to know names and identities throughout the lifespan of that person. And if that person ever becomes a victim, I can tell you a person who presents themselves at the medical examiner's office as a male, take everything else out. That's a very different examination than a female because mm -hmm. there's just things we look for different. So for what it's worth, I, I want to put that out there that, hey, there, this is one of those times we kind of have to pay attention to some of these these details. Um, so Tabor gets this initial information. Of course, all of the bells and whistles are going off. This Something's dramatically wrong here. None of this is making sense. But the next part of this investigation is making notification to the victim's family. And as a homicide detective who's made dozens of these notifications, I can say it's the worst job in law enforcement. It is terrible. Yeah. It's very terrible. I had just a personal experience in law enforcement when I had to make a notification to a mother of a 17 year old who died in a car accident I I will never forget that day because she was just so overly distraught emotionally I still think of her wait and was this the one where dad and son had the same name yeah so There's parents so were much more to this story so the parents were divorced and on scene, they, they had detectives on scene. They asked me to go identify the body. I identify the body, look at his ID, got his identification out of his pockets and everything. And they said, okay, well, can you please go to the house and inform the woman that her husband has died? And I said, well, I really don't think this is her husband. It's, he's too young. Well, what they were confusing is that the father had the same name as him, but they were also going through a divorce. So dad didn't even live at the house at the time. Um, but they wouldn't believe me that it was like the kid. And I'm like, no, this, this kid is not married. Like, this is clearly a kid coming from high school. Trust me, you he don't like, want to make. Yeah, the, he had this little high here. school keychain on like, <laughs> like in his pants. Everything. It was, but it was terrible. But it, it again, it is one of those things. It's a very tough job. And it's one of those things just, it sticks with you for the rest of your oh, life. Yeah. Like my second notification was to a parents of a three-year-old and it was just this tragic thing. And like, you never forget that shit. Um, so yeah, those notifications are terrible, but they're, they're very vital. The other thing is the reason a lot of times I'm an advocate that the case detective should make these notifications is you get these immediate reactions from family that can be very telling. And in this case, the notification is to the victims. I think she was 18. She was an adult, so she's either 18 or 19. I'm, I'm pretty sure she was 18. 
the 18 year old daughter of the victim and obviously it's crushing news to hear but the daughter makes some statements right off the bat that are very very interesting um the last time she saw her mom her mom picked her up from work the previous day and dropped her off at the house and she was dropping her off because the mom was going to this appointment to get a butt injection Mm. the daughter saying everything was fine we were laughing we were joking we're, we're having a good time she drops me off i think i'm going to see her an hour or two later oh by the way i've gone with her before when she's gone to get these injections i've stayed in the car i didn't go in but i've actually like driven to the location i wait for her we drive home everything's been fine she describes the area that she went to on these previous injections and it's, it's the crime scene it she perfectly describes where the victim was found and uh, she says yeah my mom's actually this was her fourth one Oh my gosh! Okay, so So this has been an ongoing, an ongoing thing thing for her. Okay, right. Um, So they start to get a lot of really good information. The other thing that she mentions is that every time her mom gets these butt injections, she gets this custom girdle, and it's a big deal because it's a wee wee girdle. Oh, and this is the first time that investigators are going to hear the name wee wee. Um, It's a nickname, obviously. (laughs) It's not. It's not. What's your first name, Wee? What's your last name, Wee? But you can call me Mrs. Wee. Um, wee yeah, Wee. Wee Wee. Wee Wee. Um, <laughs> so sounds French. Wee Wee. I'm, I'm sure she's French. Um, very classy. <laughs> but it's the first time investigators are going to hear this name, Wee Wee. And apparently this girdle is a big thing. It's known as the Wee Wee booty, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> now, we all have that person. If something happened to you, today and you don't have to answer this but like i can think of it myself if something happened to me today i'm dead it's a big national case for the whatever the reason is of how i died Mm -hmm. and the media starts going around interviewing my family Mm -hmm. i always worry like oh shit who are they going to talk to in my family and who's going to say something stupid right Mm -hmm. in this case uh both the media and detective Tabor are going to talk to uh the victim's stepmother and I'm not going to get this perfectly right, but it's something along the lines of, (laughs) I was telling her her butt was too big and she needed to stop, but she was just hooked on those booty injections. Oh, no. Those booty shots. No, she was hooked on those booty shots. Oh. And like, that's not the way anybody wants to be. And the victim has no say. No, no. Nobody wants to be remembered (laughs) as that. So, yeah, I, I think for me, it's if... If I think of different people, like, oh, my God, if the media goes there. I think for me, it's my brother. You know, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) It's my brother, too, for you. (laughs) Because it would be straight out of, like, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He'd be Cousin Eddie out there. He's like, Uh, ah, shitter's full. What's up, folks? Yeah. 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 In just his short robe. (laughs) With his dumb hat on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, anyway... (laughs) We, we find out the victim has a history of these butt injections. She's got this wee-wee uh, girdle that she wears. So the next step that Detective Tabor's going look to like, look at is he's going to go back and interview the leasee or the renter of this property. And we're going to change some names here to protect the guilty and innocent, uh, but we're going to call her Gigi. So, oh, it rhymes with wee-wee. Yeah, so wee-wee and Gigi. Wee-wee and Gigi. It's like a French thing. Um so Gigi's immediately going to drop dimes. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that Chris Rock video where he gets pulled over and the wife's like, he got weed, he got weed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets uh-huh. arrested. I, I, in my head, I imagine Gigi being like, whoa, this is Denise Ross. Like, you guys need to go talk to Denise Ross. And they're like, well, who the hell is Denise Ross? And she's like, Denise Ross, 
is Wee Wee. So finally, we're putting a name to the nickname. So Denise oh. Ross, Denise Wee Wee Ross. Uh, the other person that she dimes out very quickly is Jimmy Joe Alicia Clark. And she paints this picture to law enforcement that, hey, they're partners. They do these butt injections. They've been doing them for years. Wee Wee called me several months ago. She wanted to go in and rent a place. She told me that she would help me pay the rent. I could do my last studio in the front. Her and Jimmy Joe do the things in the back. And I don't know what's going on there. I really don't care. She's just paying part of the rent. And I needed that as part of a business. Okay. Um, the one thing she does say that's a little bit goofy is she starts to get into the night before she was in the shop when the victim came in. So she explains oh. like, hey, I had this lash appointment. So she's putting eyelashes on, on somebody. While she's doing it, eventually Wee Wee comes out of this back room and tells her, hey, can you turn the music up as loud as you, and like they crank the music. And even the lady's like, this is ridiculous. Gigi's like, it's too loud. So were there other people waiting in the, <laughs> too loud. I was trying to do my French accent. It's <laughs> yeah, not it was very good. good. It was better than usual. Um, <laughs> so were the other like people, customers waiting? I think it was just the one customer who she's actively doing a last job on. I was and just then, trying to see if there are other witnesses. Okay. No, no, no. We, we don't know anybody else. So then Wee Wee goes back into this room and then a short time later she comes back out and she's like, hey, the owner just called me. There's a music complaint. Everybody needs to go. You, you've got to go. you got to go. And Gigi's like, hey, I'm in the middle of this lash thing. Like this lady has one, one lash on but not the other. And Wee Wee's like, well, I'll pay for it. Get out. And she kicks both of them out. So right Gigi's client is literally walking out with a partial eyelash, like like a Nemo. Yeah, she's like pulling to the left for aerodynamics, uh, no. okay. <laughs> so just kind of walking in circles. I'd be, I'd be so upset. Well, that's what you get for going to the studio, I'm thinking. Well, not if you have a legitimate lash artist. There's no sign, there's no advertisement. It's kind oh. of in this dank industrial warehouse-like mm -hmm. area. So she's probably not even certified to do lashes. I don't know. Um, I don't want to say not that. Not that the lashes maybe. matter at this point, but go on. Right, but obviously there's like, okay, so Wee Wee kicks everybody out. Um, Gigi says, I never saw Alicia in the room or come out of the room, Okay, but her car was there. And when I come to work, it's usually there. And whenever her car's there, she's there. So there's this indication that Alicia is there as well. Um, the next morning she calls Wee Wee, Gigi, she calls Wee Wee and she's like, hey, is everything okay? Can I go into the business? And Wee Wee's like, well, we don't know. Uh, Alicia was dealing with this lady last night who had a seizure, and that's why we got everybody out of there. I'm not at the office. Uh, you'll have to call Alicia. And that's where she kind of leaves us. So she's like, I don't know what's going on, but it's weird. So Alicia's de dealing with a seizure person. Correct. Allegedly. Okay. Um, so that's oh. kind of where they end it. So the next thing we're going to look at, I got oh. a couple pictures for you oh. here. Are okay. Who okay, we're gonna, we're gonna start with uh, Jimmy Joe Alicia Clark, and you're getting two different photos here: a booking photo from Jimmy Joe, and then a booking photo from Alicia. And kind of what I was explaining earlier: this is the importance again. No disrespect about somebody who's transitioning, but for law enforcement purposes, we got to make sure we're looking at the right person. That is that quite a difference history. of it, those it pictures. Is quite the difference. It, it is very but different. The, my point of putting these pictures up is law enforcement now knows who was in the room with the victim around a critical time that we believe the victim might have been enduring some type of tragic event that ultimately is going to kill her. Mm -hmm. uh, so Jimmy Joe Alicia Clark becomes a suspect at this point. And then I also have a picture of Wee Wee here. She just looks like she does not care about much in the world, doesn't she? Very French. 
Very, <laughs> very, very French. Um, She's very pompous. Yeah. So uh, here's what I want to tell you. I've seen a lot of pictures of Wee Wee. Ultimately, I have to testify in this trial. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. So I saw Wee Wee in person, and she kind of looked like this as well. That is her natural face. These, this isn't her like posing for a selfie where she's trying to do the duck lip thing. Like is that is the resting pose. Oh. So wow. I think Wee Wee was using her own product, and you'll see where this goes later. Yeah, because on. nobody's lips just naturally look like that. No, no, but like, I, and I, I've seen a ton of like hmm. comments on social media where people are like, "What the hell is going on with her lips?" Uh, trust me, that is the natural resting position. Um, wow, which we'll come back to here in a little bit. Okay, but the point is, we now have suspects. Like we, right. we've got to go contact them. Um, they have fled. So there is no immediate contact here, but the, obviously the investigation is going to continue and we're going to get to the autopsy. So at the autopsy, the medical examiner is going to come in and we're going to do a thorough examination of our victim. And again, a little bit of technical talk here. Uh, it's really, really critical for the detective to be involved in the autopsy. Like they're not slicing and dicing, obviously, but they need to be present because there's certain things that they're finding and discovering in their investigation that the medical examiner needs to be aware of. And there's things that the medical examiner is seeing that the detective needs to be aware of. And, that they can explain during the autopsy. Right. And when those two come together and they start working really well, cases get solved. Like mm -hmm. that relationship between a detective and, a, and the actual medical examiner is really, really critical. Um, and this is going to come up in a lot of cases we talk about so um, we're seeing some observations both by the medical examiner but obviously detective Tabor as well the number one thing that comes over is on her buttocks there are these puncture holes and they're about 1 16th of an inch and I need to take just a second to discuss 1 16th of an inch for those of you in the medical field all of my nurses out there this is the gray top catheter or the gray top syringe this is the type of thing that they put in you in the emergency room when they're trying to push fluid to keep you from dying. Like it isn't a simple shot. This is an incredibly large needle that's going to hurt. This was what they were using to inject silicone with. Okay. It's, it's insane when I think about that. The pain alone has to be out of control. Okay. Um, obviously, as we talked about before, the one butt cheek is exposed with just this hole. And even at autopsy, there's still this clear liquid oozing oozing out of her butt oozing. cheek on the other butt cheek there is this cotton ball that's glued with a little bit of a blood stain obviously they remove the cotton ball as soon as they remove the cotton ball oozing. oozing yeah and if anybody's curious why i'm saying oozing is i told this story to one of our daughters by the way carrie and i have four girls which that alone should get me all kinds of credit with people. But uh, in raising four <laughs> girls, um, when I was explaining the story to one of them, she's like, can you please stop saying that word? And I'm like, what word? And she's like, oozing. It's disgusting. And so I'm thinking today, I'm like, oozing. Oozing. Yeah, because it's going to drive her nuts. She's probably one of our biggest fans. So <laughs> love you, Um All right. So, yeah, we've got all this clear liquid oozing. out. Obviously, they're going to capture a sample of that. Uh, so we have this sample now. Uh, ultimately, the cause of death is a silicone pulmonary embolism. And for those of you at home, a pulmonary embolism is basically a blood clot in your lungs that prevents your lungs from functioning properly and you die. You kind of, it's almost like you suffocate. It's a pretty horrendous death. Uh, when you have silicone in your bloodstream, 
the silicone can travel to your heart, through your heart, into your lungs, and it can cause these blood clots. So there's a pulmonary embolism, which isn't that uncommon. Like it's, it wouldn't be abnormal for a hospital today to have a patient coming in presenting with a pulmonary embolism. And then there's a silicone pulmonary embolism, which is crazy rare. And they're identified as two separate things. Not really. And we're going to talk about this here in a little bit. It's really, really difficult to tell the difference, especially if you don't know the history of the patient. So in this case, her cause of death is a silicone pulmonary embolism. Uh, What I want you to take away from this right now, crazy painful death. This is not a good way to go. Um, So at this point, the manner of death is going to be delayed because the investigation is still ongoing. It's not looking good, but the investigation is still ongoing. Um, And we'll get back to that here in just a little bit. More importantly, what comes out of the time of death, or out of the autopsy rather, is the time of death. And the medical examiner is going to say, hey, from the point she was found, discovered by Alicia, which is roughly 7 a.m., I am estimating that this victim died four to eight hours prior to that. So if you figure 7 a.m., she -hmm. died at the latest is 3 a.m., the earliest would roughly be 11 a.m. Because they left her there around 7.15 we know the bad things were happening around 7, 7.15. This is where Gigi was like, yeah, something was wrong. She kicks everybody out. Okay. So everything probably started prior to that. She, I'm assuming she probably started complaining of pain maybe around 6.45, I, 6.30 I think that's a fair timeline. Like 6.45, 7 o'clock, things are going south quickly. So if you think about this, and if we give we, we, the the benefit of the doubt the victim in this case probably dies around 11 p.m. They knew at 7 o'clock shit was going south. So if we do the, the simple math here. That's five hours of pain for our victim. I'm going to go back to simple math. It might be four. <laughs> but I love you. Oh. Um, yeah, it's four hours. But <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> but yes, for four hours... Our victim, well, but to your point of, let's, let's say it is five. The best case scenario is she died at 11 o'clock. She might have died at midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock. She may have died at three o'clock. This poor victim. Because is, the ME said she was dead for at least four hours. At least four hours. So okay. this is going to be really critical when we get to the end of this story, because I saw a lot of social media comments about thinking the judge was way too harsh on Wee Wee. So I want to emphasize this. Our victim is laying on this table in agonizing, crazy pain, one of the worst possible ways to die there is, Mm -hmm. for up to four to eight hours? Well, and I know, here's the other thing, I know that there was a victim of the same type of issue somewhere in Puerto Rico. They went to Puerto Rico to get injections, and she went to the doctor for the same type of symptoms, and they were able to treat her. Yes. The, so this this can be treated. It absolutely can be treated. And we'll talk about that a little bit if if you're experiencing any of these issues. Um, you've got to let medical professionals know you've had a procedure like this. It's it's so critical. Um, so anyway, that's, that's where we're at. And now we're starting to see some of the heinous side of this crime where there was no attempt. The intent. To, yeah, the, the heinous piece where there's no attempt to save her. There is apparently zero empathy. No, they were too busy cleaning the salon up. So that they could leave town. So that they could leave. Uh, so at this point, needless to say, uh, 
Detective Tabor has more than enough for the search warrants. He's going to get search warrants for both Alicia's house and Wee-Wee's house. Uh, they're going to serve those search warrants. In the service of those search warrants, they find four five-gallon buckets of this clear viscous material liquid that looks very similar to what is oozing. And this was in Wee-Wee's house? No, this was actually in Alicia's house. In okay. Wee-Wee's house, they find like syringes, super glue, like lots of like the Costco super pack of super glue. Okay. Um, cotton balls, all this other stuff. Lidocaine, by the way. Um, so it looked like they were maybe doing some lidocaine injections. Uh, just this hodgepodge of medical equipment, if you will. I didn't um, realize super glue was medical equipment. Well, apparently, it can't, you know, I had this wrestling coach. Um, he was a Marine in the Vietnam. So he was actually a medic. And anytime we got a cut, because this is like the 90s and everybody was freaked out about blood, late 80s, early 90s. And if you got a cut, you could actually be disqualified. Uh, from so, a wrestling match. From a wrestling match. So he would super glue us. And like literally, like if you got a cut, he'd pull you over to the side really quick and he'd pinch your skin together, put a little super glue, blow on it, and back out you went. That explains so much about you today. <laughs> so it's a, it's a legit medical tool. Um, but yeah, they get this, this super glue. Uh, at this point, Dallas PD is going to need some help, and they're going to turn to the feds because they have this liquid, but we don't have a clear identification of what the liquid is. So they're going to turn to the FDA. Could you imagine some like dude dressed in a suit, like men in black type thing, dressed in a suit and knocks mm -hmm. on the door? You're like, okay. hello, sir. And like boom, he flashes this ved very federal looking badge. He's like, uh -huh. hello, ma'am. I'm Agent Maderis, FDA. Um, like, <laughs> Listen, sir, I don't even cook. <laughs> right. I think you're looking for my husband. <laughs> right, right. So the point here I want people to understand is that <laughs> the FDA actually has federal agents. Okay. Uh, they do have law enforcement capacity. Oh. So in this case, we're going to have the FDA flex a little bit, and they're going to take this liquid and get it tested. And they're going to come back and say, this is silicone. We can't tell you what grade it is because silicone can be contaminated at different times like was it contaminated by wee wee was it contaminated when it was injected into the victim we don't know uh, so we can't say what type of silicone but it is silicone and while we can't say that it's the silicone that was oozing is the same silicone that's in the bucket it's consistent to each other okay so at this point we know that we are working with silicone the most important thing and i'm going to say it twice okay the agent with the food and drug administration said this is not FDA approved. And of course, law enforcement is like, what isn't FDA approved? Injecting silicone into a person for cosmetic purposes is not FDA approved. That was back in 2014. Correct. Uh, 2015 now as we're starting to get in the investigation. Um, yes, I'm sorry, 2015. How about today though? Is Nothing there... has changed. Okay. Nothing. So, very important note, cosmetic enhancement with silicone is not FDA approved. Um, this is going to come back to the medical examiner to where he's now going to determine the manner of death as homicide. So, this case is now officially homicide by the, uh, the medical examiner as well. For the benefit of our socialites, please explain a little bit the difference between cause and manner of death so that they understand better how that plays into the investigation. Right, so cause is what physically kills you. In this case, a silicone pulmonary embolism. Um, the manner of death is 
what is the manner of how that occurred? Um, and I'm going to use a gunshot wound because it's just a better example. Um, cause of death was a gunshot wound. I got shot in the head, immediately killed me. Could it be a suicide? That would be your manner of death. Um, could it be accidental? Uncle Joe's cleaning his gun and is being a dumbass again because he's drank 72 keystones and he accidentally shoots me in the head. That would be accidental. Mm -hmm. Could it be a distraught wife who's just sick of his shit and intentionally shoots me in the head? Now it's homicide. So, and then you also have natural. And I like to think of natural death as if you don't do, or if you rather, if you do enough dumb shit throughout your life, naturally you're going to die. Right. Um, or it could be just a medical thing, right? Like I got mm -hmm. cancer, that would be a natural a natural death. So in this particular case, the cause of death is the silicone pulmonary embolism. The manner of death is going to be homicide. And it's because of what we have discovered on these injections. And is because it was then considered, the, I'm assuming that the silicone injections themselves were considered a type of weapon? The medical examiner actually categorized this as a deadly weapon. Injecting that much silicone into a patient you have to understand death is a likely result. Um, so just completely reckless to, on the intent side, so reckless that you would have to assume doing this would kill somebody. Wow. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty Im impressive on the medical examiner here just being very clear. This is a murder. Like there's no, this isn't, hey, somebody practicing without a license. Like we're well beyond that. The, the next thing, and we're gonna talk on this very, very shortly. Um, the DNA swabs that they took at the office, Wee Wee's DNA comes back on the door handle of the room where the victim is found. But she's there all the time. Yeah, Doesn't I gotta matter. be honest, nobody cares. Like sometimes people are like, well, yeah, but they don't have DNA evidence. I just want our audience to understand that sometimes DNA is irrelevant. Like if you take DNA samples in my house, you're gonna find my DNA. If we take DNA samples from a studio or this the salon, if you will, that Wee Wee works at every day, her DNA is going to be there. So, okay. so irrelevant. Nobody, Nobody cares. cares. But at the same time, I don't want people like doing their own research. Because it on did this come case. up in the trial yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, all right. So at this point, law enforcement is looking for Wee Wee and Alicia. There's arrest warrants issued. They have both fled. Um, but now there's public media covering this case. So now we're going to get some other victims coming forward because they're watching TV all fat, dumb, and happy, thinking life is good. And bam. Wait. I know Wee Wee, and it starts oh. to go down. The first victim that's going to come forward, and again, we're going to change the names to protect the guilty and the innocent. Uh, the first one is named Kitty. Yeah, At least that's Kitty the, Cat. That's the name that I Kitty. gave her. Okay. Um, Kitty <laughs> was referred to Wee Wee by a coworker. Oh. I don't think you can put two and two together here. Um, her coworker had recently got the Wee Wee booty and was doing very well at work with the Wee Wee booty. Okay. So Kitty's like, hey, I can't be outdone here. I need to get the wee wee I'm booty. assuming these are typically night jobs. That's your assumption. Um, so she describes her experience. She describes the same salon that our victim was found, actually provides the address. She has a text message from wee wee of where to go, which provides the address of the crime scene. Mm -hmm. um, she identifies both wee wee and Alicia as being there and performing this in this but augmentation, if you will. She paid $525 oh. for the augmentation. Uh, she got three injections. It's quite a deal. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> she got three injections per cheek. So again, for my medical is people. It, is it $525 per injection no, 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 or no. just? 
total thing. A one-time. I think they were using the cheap silicone, so how much silicone they pumped in you wasn't relevant. <laughs> I think, like if you look at this from a business perspective. We can give you a great deal yeah, here. Yeah, don't worry, it doesn't matter. We've got a lot of silicone, we've got uh -huh. buckets. Um, but again, for my medical people, this is six injections into the butt with a 16 gauge needle. Like there are people cringing at home right now because they're like, how do you even sustain that type of pain? Yeah. It is incredible. Um, this is the first time we hear about the aftercare kit. So you know like when you do outpatient stuff and you yeah. get ready to leave and you're checking out and they're like, okay, here's your little document of your aftercare and here's what you need to take care of that. And like maybe they give you some bandages or medication. Wee Wee was providing an aftercare kit. And it consisted of? Well, it was carefully packaged in a Ziploc baggie. Oh. And in that Ziploc baggie, you got a tube of silicone, I mean a tube of super glue. Okay. Cotton balls and a dum dum sucker and a dum dum yeah we'll get oh. to that in a little bit okay uh, but it's the first time we heard about the uh the aftercare kit uh just like before you also leave with the wee wee girdle so if you want the wee wee booty you got to have the wee wee girdle so was the girdle something that wee wee was did she have this like made in china and she was buying them in bulk or something <laughs> why or? are you always trying to blame china i'm not i'm just saying like which was she getting something and like cutting holes out of them herself at yes. home my understanding and i could be totally wrong on this because i did distance myself from parts of this investigation is that we we would get these girdles and she would cut out like look at your butt and be like all right girl here's the butt you need and she would custom shape these cutouts of the girdle because remember when the silicone first goes in it's really um, it's this viscous liquid. It's still very it's palatable, soft. if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll harden over time. Mm -hmm. So the idea is you wear this girdle and it shapes your butt to the wee wee booty. And that was the, the that thing. That was the thing. Right. So, the, But now we're starting to get a better understanding. Okay. I'm wondering how long, though, it takes for that to actually harden up to where you can sit and it doesn't smush into, like, you have, you know, chair butt. <laughs> you know? Oh, like how long know. does that take, I wonder? I don't know. That'd be uh, exhausting. You're going to have to call Kitty. Um, the second witness slash victim that comes forward is called Luscious. Luscious. Again, the name has been changed to protect the guilty and the innocent. This must have been Luscious. Luscious. So Luscious comes forward. Uh, Luscious was also referred by a friend. And I want to emphasize, everybody who's getting the wee wee booty has heard about it on the street from other people who not only have gone through the procedure, they're raving about it. So this is a huge network of people that are a network. getting this. Yes, and it is the thing. Like, okay. it's the thing to get. So Luscious is gonna come forward. She got referred by a friend. This story to this day screws me up. Luscious lives in Houston. Wee Wee is in Dallas. How far of a drive It's about a three that? hour drive, I think. Okay. If you sped, maybe two and a half. But Luscious makes an appointment with Wee Wee at midnight okay she doesn't make the appointment at midnight she makes an appointment to be there for at her midnight. butt injection at midnight oh gosh okay so her boyfriend nice guy <clears throat> drives her from houston to this location in dallas which is a house they arrive just before midnight luscious goes into the house where she finds a line of chairs next to a wall with other women sitting at it she gets in line they're all there to get butt injections i'm assuming this is her night off luscious's night off why do you yeah. assume all these women work at night i just 
I don't know. <laughs> okay, wild so, guess. Uh, yeah, let's go with the night off. Um, and apparently, it's everybody else's night off because the room is full. Like Wee Wee has them stacked and packed in there. In the dining room, there's a massage table set up, and these women, one at a time, are getting out of the chair, getting on the massage table. And I want our listeners to really visualize this. What our victim in this case is seeing is Alicia on one side of the table, Wee Wee on the other side of the table, lady laying on there with her butt exposed. At the end of the table by our the multiple victim's feet is a male subject who has a stack of syringes and a five-gallon bucket of silicone. And he's literally one after the other <laughs> sucking the silicone into the syringes, handing it to Alicia, sucking the syringe full of silicone, handing it to Wee Wee. It's like a little assembly line. It is straight up an assembly line. And these women are just, it's a pumping party. Is Actually, there's a term for this, and it's called the pumping party. And this happens in a lot of, this happens all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a thing. And these women just one after the other. So our victim, Luscious, is sitting there, and she's just about ready to go, and she's starting to freak out a little bit because she's like, okay, this seems a little <laughs> and, janky. And I imagine Luscious is a woman with probably some street smarts. I think that's a safe assumption. Like, I don't want to fight her in a dark alley. I'm sure of that. Right. So she, if when she, her spidey senses are going, it's probably you legit. some shit's going down. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So Luscious actually confronts Wee Wee, and she's like, hey, girl, what's in the bucket? And Wee Wee tells her that is grade A silicone. For those of you listening in at home, silicone does not come in grades. Uh, grade A is a meat, not a silicone. If you are ever getting She's like, in, it's totally top of the line Wagyu. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, don't worry. It's the good shit. Um, <laughs> if you're ever getting a medical procedure and the doctor tells you it's grade A, run. Like, it, it's a bad sign. In spite of this, Luscious goes through with this. And she gets on the table. She gets mm. the injections. She describes these injections as worse than childbirth. Um, it was the, the worst pain she's ever had. And when she gets done with the injections and she's getting up, she actually, she feels nauseum, nauseous. Is it nausea? Nauseous? Like nausea. So I can say like, I feel not, no. I, I have nauseous. nausea. I have nausea. Well, what do you feel? I feel my stomach hurts. Okay, yeah. So her stomach hurt. I, I want to throw up. And now we find out why the dum dum sucker is in the aftercare packet. Weeby's like, oh, you just need a little sugar. Here's a dum dum sucker for you. And she leaves. Oh my gosh. See, I'm kind of envisioning with like Wee Wee turning around and digging through her purse. I'd be like, just stop complaining. <laughs> it's just nasty. Like it's got yeah. all kinds of purse grime yeah. on it. Like that. <laughs> There's like glitter from her makeup on the wrapper of the dum dum. Uh. <laughs> but you have to wonder at this point, like, how many red flags do you need before, like, at, why can't you have a good friend who's like, you shouldn't do this. I know you don't normally listen to me. Right. But listen to me. So it's funny you're saying that because <laughs> I was going through a lot of the comments in social media about this case, um, like, on the news channels. And I'm going to credit Aaron Pierpont on Facebook, Aaron with an E at the end. It's double A with an E. So people can't call him it, a, a Yeah, a. and he hits up one of his friends and he's like, Kevin, I didn't listen to you when you told me to put on sunscreen, but I will listen if you tell me not to get butt injections from a dude named Alicia and a girl everyone calls a wee-wee. <laughs> I think that's and, sound advice. And, like, yes. Like, I get it. I get it. 
So even Kevin knows. Yeah, even Kevin knows. <laughs> and Aaron knows. Everybody knows. And it's kind of fun. It was just funny. Yeah. Go on. I'm okay, sorry. so I want to segue just a little bit. And for my listeners, just indulge me for a second. Um, <laughs> and we're going to get into this in, in other episodes. But Carrie and I had a business. And that business, we specialized in tracking and analytics of cell phone information. So when a crime like this is committed, we can look at historical and real-time information from the cellular providers, and we can show where people are at, their patterns of life, who they called, all this other stuff. We'll talk about it later on. But we had to build a brand, right? We had to market this, and it was a very niche market. So the entrepreneur in me pauses here and is like, okay, hang on, you now have people driving from Houston to show up at this janky house at midnight, every spidey sense this lady has is saying, don't do this, and she still does it. Because it's not like Wee Wee's walking into strip clubs and being like, oh honey, you could make probably about $1,000 more a night if you just came to see me. Right. Here's my card. It's her clientele. I don't know, maybe she was doing that. No, no, she had a cult-like following of clientele who were Mm -hmm. bragging about, girl, you gotta get the Wee Wee booty. I got the Wee Wee booty. Yeah, but you have to start your brand somehow. Yes, but that's the thing is we have to give a little bit of of like a little bit of credit, a little nod of respect here of like, holy shit, girl, how do you grow this business of the wee wee booty? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you do it? I, I'm imagining like a a, a radio tune. Maybe you know what I think it is. is I've got it. You want a big ass and you need it fast. Wee wee booty is here at last. Complimentary wee wee girl included. Weeby is not a trained professional, and there's a high probability you will die from this procedure. The investigation's <laughs> continuing, and we're, we're back on the investigation. We're focusing on the silicone. The silicone now, though, we're finding these buckets. We're finding labeling. We're actually seeing, hey, here's where Weewee is getting these buckets. Let's go contact them. So this leads law enforcement out to Grapevine, Texas, to a manufacturing plant that specializes in silicone. This is where things, for me, go off the rails a little bit about just how brazen WeWee has become. WeWee, this is what appears to be one of her primary providers of silicone for at least a two-year period. She is buying these buckets of silicone hand over fist. In her name, the cell phone that is on file for her is her actual cell phone. Like There is no attempt to hide this at all. She's doing it out in the wide open. Um, However, now we know. It's industrial grade silicone. She D- define what that means. It's the shit you like get at Home Depot grade. to fix your bathtub leak. Oh my gosh! And she's buying it by the bucket. Now, there's some interesting thing that's going to come with this. We now know, at least from this, and we have to only assume one provider. We don't know who else she's purchased this from before she found this provider or supplementing beyond this provider. But through this one provider, she purchased three thousand seven hundred and 46 gallons, no pounds, 3,746 pounds of silicone. That's like the size of an adult hippo. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's this, it's a hippopotamus worth, get it? Hippopotamus of silicone. Don't ever do that again. That's, you know the only thing worse than a dad joke? It's a dumb mom joke. Um, all right, so yeah, yes, it is a hippopotamus uh, chunk of silicone. But now we can start to break some. This is where the nerd side of me on investigation starts to break down. I can do a little bit of research and I can start to quantify things. And I think it's important for our listeners to hear this. The average butt injection 
ranges from 750 milliliters to 1,000 milliliters. For wee wee. And if you're American and milliliters don't mean shit to you, I'm gonna help you. 750 milliliters is a wine bottle. That's a lot. If you don't drink wine, it's the old school Gatorade quart bottle. If you don't drink Gatorade and you bake, it's four cups. That is one butt. Each procedure she's doing, she's putting at least that much in. It can go up to a thousand milliliters. And our victim had been back four times. And silicone never dissipates from the body. Ever. It's an oil. Your body absorbs it. Now, maybe some of you at home are like, yeah, I get the quantity, but I'm really conscientious about my weight. How much does that weigh? 2.3 pounds per procedure. So do the math. Oh my gosh. This was our victim's fourth time. Almost 10 pounds of silicone at this point had been injected into her body. The other thing we can start to break down is, well, hang on. We know what WeWee is charging. She's charging roughly 500 bucks per procedure. She's injecting roughly 750 to 1,000 milligrams per procedure. If she purchased 3,746 pounds of silicone, how many procedures has she done? And it's over 1,600. At 500 bucks a pop, that's $800,000 in two years. Well, I mean, to be fair, some of those are repeat customers. Well, thanks for being fair, but I think that just makes you even more of a victim at this point. (laughs) The bigger issue to me is how many people do we not know about? And we've talked about this a little bit before. Patient shows up at the local emergency room today suffering a pulmonary embolism and does not disclose that she's got the wee-wee booty, although it might be obvious, but does not Mm -hmm. disclose, hey, I got a wee-wee booty, and she dies, the death goes down as a pulmonary embolism, not as a homicide caused by wee-wee because of a a silicone silicone pulmonary pulmonary embolism. embolism. 100%. Um, This is interesting. This has become so prolific in our society today that there are actually studies and training for doctors to recognize the difference and to actually quiz patients now have you had a procedure where you had silicone injected because this is killing women and men men are getting this shit too if the doctor has had the training if the doctors have the training but it's becoming such a problem in society today that we have people dying left and right in fact we were just talking to somebody the other day who remained nameless we were talking about this episode and she was like oh my god i had a friend die about this like and that was just last year yeah it it happens constantly so it's Mm. absolutely terrifying about how many people have had this procedure and how many people are walking around today with a wee-wee booty. Well, you know, it's interesting. We were at CrimeCon, and I was telling somebody about this episode coming, and she actually stopped in her tracks and said, you're making me rethink some things that I've done. And it was just really powerful. We're, we're about to get to that. But first of all, I hit a conundrum on this case. We're gonna get into my involvement of where I investigated part of this case, but I was present for part of the testimony. I also watched part of the testimony. And in the testimony, we had the medical examiner and an agent with the FDA testify, silicone has never been approved for cosmetic purposes anywhere ever. It's not an approved process. So I'm doing this episode and I'm putting the research in and I'm starting to, you know, I wanna be accurate. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding advertisements for silicone injections. I'm finding advertisements for silicone injections for cosmetic purposes that are approved by the FDA. I want to paint a picture. 
that. Yeah, you may be fortunate enough that you have the education and the resources to do a ton of research and make sense of this very complex subject matter, but you may not. And for those people who don't, all of my friends are doing it. They're raving about it. So maybe I do jump online and I'm checking a few things out and I come across a website of a known, fairly well-respected medical doctor who does cosmetic procedures in Manhattan of all places. It would appear legitimate. Yeah. And I'm talking about Dr. Monica Halem, H-A-L-E-M. Okay. In fact, you can find her website, monicahalemmd.com. I I see that. I see her website. I I have a picture of it here. Yes. Monica Halem, who is a medical doctor. You have something highlighted there, too. Who specializes in cosmetic procedures, is advertising that silicone has been approved for cosmetic use since 1978. Oh. And I'm here to tell you she's full of shit. Okay, that's good. But this causes problems because now you have people who will start doing a little bit of research and they're like, no, doctors say it's safe. It's well, approved by the FDA. People expect when they go to a doctor's website that they're getting really accurate and legitimate information that could impact their health. And I think as a matter of being reasonable, when I find this on a website, I'm going to be like, hey, Monica, what's up? So I actually called the doctor's office. I actually sent an email and I asked for, hey, can you guys provide us the source? And I told them, we're doing a podcast about this. I want to be able to, to quote your source. Can you please send me the source of information of what you're referring to on this 1978 okay. approval? Which, by the way, does not exist. And uh, Monica hasn't called me. Oh, well, that's odd. Yeah. Call me really nice people give us a call monica so and i also suspect we're dealing with a doctor in manhattan we're probably going to get a cease and desist i've seen this happen before i've had we are going to get a cease and desist (laughs) we're going to get a cease and desist and let me tell you monica you send me that cease and desist i'm going to send you the case out of new york where the united states attorney's office just recently prosecuted a doctor for making the same claim So clean up your shit. And for those of you socialites who become part of our cult-like following, maybe you should also send Monica a comment about this is very, very irresponsible because it sends a message. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out that it's not just Monica's website. There are other doctor, doctor, um, like esthetician type doctors out there who have this posted on their, their websites as well. And it is extremely irresponsible. And they'll try to quote other um, studies that try to support this theory, when in actuality, the study that they're quoting is is not accurate. Right. There, there have been right. tests done that show that study that they quote to be inaccurate. Right. And Jeffrey Starr, um, I don't know if you, you know who Jeffrey Starr is. Yeah, he, my daughter actually talks about him a lot. He's like, a, he's a big influencer. He does, he has his own cosmetic line. Right. Uh, he's he's male he's very he's very much a man but he specializes in makeup techniques and he's really he's really actually good really good i've gotten caught up in his videos and it's just a train wreck i can't stop watching because i'm like that is an excellent yeah. well I'm, I'm not gonna lie like i'm not into his videos but i've got to give him some <laughs> some props he came out a while back because he was giving a product called juvederm juvederm is a filler okay and it's actually this uh this acid-based stuff that's naturally found in the body and like a lot of the lip stuff that you see people getting it's it's like juvederm okay if it's acid-based you're okay the problem with acid-based fillers is your body absorbs them so like every six months you got to go in and get the procedure done over and over again okay silicone on the other time is an oil it doesn't 
go away. It never goes away, which is the problem, which is why when you get a silicone injection, it lasts forever. Uh, Jeffrey Starr recently came out and said that his doctor who was giving him these procedures of Juvederm was mixing silicone with the Juvederm. And he, he came out very like guns blazing, like this is bullshit. And he didn't tell, so he didn't know. So he has this doctor injecting silicone in him and he didn't know. So did the doctor know that was happening? Yes, or did the, the doctor, doctor figure was mixing it out? It. Oh. It's cheap. I can take very expensive Juvederm. I can take a little bit of silicone. I can make my own concoction and I can do it at rock bottom prices. Well, the worst part is, is that Jeffree Star, based on his YouTube following, can oh, afford yeah. top top quality and juvederm he, thought he was getting the top quality that's why he came out so so upset with oh this. my gosh but it's scary because a lot of people have gotten these these procedures and even when you're getting top quality procedures when it comes to silicone there's issues um yeah so you know the question comes down well where does this fda approval thing come from and what it is it's actually what they refer to as off-labeling and off-labeling is kind of a, a scary concept um the best example I can give of off-labeling and you're going to have to listen to tea time socialite tea time the tea room to get the backstory and at some point when I'm comfortable with a, a later on I will give how I know this but let's say that for some reason you get a procedure that involves the male genitalia and basically you end up with a frankenweenie like okay. you've got stitches in your penis oh dear what is the number one thing a man would be concerned about when he's got stitches in his penis? Um, probably having a beautiful nurse. That would be one, but an erection in general is a scary <laughs> damn thing to think about because okay. I'm popping stitches, right? Like that's bad. Um, needless to say, I was blown away when the doctor prescribed me Sudafed and I had to take Sudafed twice a day and I learned that Sudafed prevents male erections and there are men and women across the country right now thinking holy shit <laughs> like women throwing away gobs of Sudafed uh -huh. out of the medicine cabinet right now right that like, or they're gonna go out and buy some <laughs> one or the other <laughs> but okay so Sudafed is not FDA approved to prevent erections but Sudafed is FDA approved for like your decongestion right mm -hmm. Off-labeling is doctors saying, well, it's FDA approved for this, but it also works for this, so Got I'm it. gonna prescribe it for this. Mm -hmm. The FDA hasn't approved it for that application, but it's off-labeling. This is how screwed up this concept has gotten. Retinal detachment, and I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not gonna get into all the crazy stuff, but basically my retina detaches from my eye and I have to mm -hmm. go and get this procedure. Well, they need my eyeball to have a certain amount of pressure in it when they make the attachment back and they inject silicone, medical grade by the way, medical grade silicone into the eyeball to help keep that pressure. Okay. Nine months to a year later, they pull it back out. Okay. That is what the FDA has approved for silicone injections. What doctors are trying to say is, well, it's approved for retinal stuff, so I can just shoot it in anywhere in your we'll body. just off-label it. Yeah, well, it's off-labeling. The problem is they're saying it's micro-droplet. And they're trying to get away by saying, if I well, if I just put two cc's in your lips or nine cc's in your lip, it's such a small amount, it's it's okay. But that is like saying, well, if you just take a little bit of heroin each day, it's okay. And when you look at these different celebrities who have come out, uh, Ariana Grande, for example. Yes, she did come out recently. And she's like, hey, I've had a ton of this stuff done. Well, that nine cc's, nine cc's, nine cc's, nine cc's. It nine, just adds up over all time. All of a sudden, she's up to 60 cc's 
That shit never dissipates from the body. It enters the bloodstream. Ariana Grande shows up in five years from now with a solon or a silicone pulmonary embolism. You know where it came from. If and she I'm not saying she already. had silicone. Yeah, and I'm not saying she got silicone, but even yeah, she's, a, she's acknowledged, I've had too much work done. It, it, it's it's causing a problem. So she does look very very different now oh, than yeah. she if did. You look at like that ten years year ago. Span, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, the thing I want to really push out to our listeners on this one: silicone is terrible. It if it doesn't kill you it will cause incredibly horrible medical problems later in life. Do not use silicone for injections, period. Um, you know, and we've talked a little bit, I don't wanna spend any more time on this. I think we've, 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 we've got that message out there. Um, if anybody is like, well, but are you sure? The name is Charles Patrick Virden. V-I-R-D-E-N. Just Google it. Charles Patrick Virden, Las Vegas. Uh, it's a doctor in Las Vegas who was recently prosecuted for doing this. And it's because of the damaging effects of silicone. And like, I think he had like multiple charges. There was... Oh yeah, there's like 12 or 15. Um, but if in the back of your head, you're like, well, but it seems like it's safe because Dr. Halem said so. Uh, no, it's not. So, so don't do it. Um, all right, moving on. My role in this case is now we're getting to the prosecution. They finally find Wee They find Alicia. They've arrested them both. We're preparing for trial. The defense is going to come forward and say, hey, it wasn't Wee It was Alicia. Wee wasn't even there. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Um, so they get Wee phone records and they call us up and they're like, hey, Cy, can you look at these records? And I get briefed in on the case. We start looking at the, the bigger picture, if you will. And it was obvious. Uh, Wee Wee was there. Um, looking <laughs> at her phone, there's no doubt that she drove there just before the appointment, just before the victim got there. More importantly, there's calls and text messages back and forth between her and the victim leading up to the appointment. Um, and you Do you know, have an opening tonight? Yeah, right. And I, I, on the background right here, I'm showing some of the, the actual, what the, the presentation that I presented in court looks like. But we were able to show that Wee Wee drove to the salon just before the appointment. She stays there the whole time. And then what's really interesting is around that seven o'clock, eight o'clock time period that we know everything's going south, she makes a couple trips back and forth from the salon to home. Oh. And this is the cleaning phase. So not only are we able to, so, you know, be careful when you pick your defense and you're like, well, I wasn't there because that just prompted law enforcement to be like, well, we got to prove she's there. Not only were we able to prove that she was there, we were able to show her trips back and forth from cleaning up the salon, which just aggravates it, right? Instead of calling which had to have been multiple trips because right. But instead of calling nine one one, let's clean the salon instead. And then she fled, and we actually saw her phone leaving. The well, Dallas area our altogether. poor victim is in agony on brutally, the massage table, brutally dying on the massage table. Uh, as we go to court, the defense is essentially going to present two defenses. Number one is Alicia did it it wasn't wee wee and mm -hmm. uh, wee wee wasn't there which we were able to clearly show the jury she was okay. and she participated in the cleanup and she ignored calling 911 to help uh the second defense which i found really interesting poor mr lott is going to get pulled into this case mm -hmm. and i do mean sir mix a lot uh mr <laughs> lott is accused of generating did they say mr law in court or did they say that's me sir? trying to be formal because it mr. just sounds we're like i'm sir mix a lot no it's mr lot because we're now in a court proceeding well mr lot can you please tell us about <laughs> i don't know but the defense actually quotes <laughs> lyrics from baby's got back oh no in trial trying to justify to the jury that we we's just providing a service that social norms is demanding 
And that's how screwed up our society has become, that that is now a defense. Um, it's okay if she wow. kills a handful of people. I've seen defense do a lot of dumb shit, oh, but- We will have an that, episode just that on this. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanna recap really quick. We're, 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 we're closing things out here and I'm going to get into the sentencing here, which I think some people might find harsh, um, but I wanna recap to, to make sure we're tying this together. Number one, silicone does not leave the body. When it is injected into you, it never leaves the body. Once okay. it's in your blood, it cannot be removed. So if you keep getting these things, it's just a matter of time before it causes problems. The medical issues can happen either on the onset, of which we saw in this case, like I'm getting the injection, it gets in my bloodstream, I have a sol uh, silicone pulmonary embolism, it kills me, it's terrible. It could happen a year later, it could happen five years later. I found one case where this poor lady got in a car accident and the trauma from the car accident, the impact caused it. You're literally just walking around waiting for these medical issues to start, which is extremely terrifying. You're just a zombie walking around for the most yeah. part. In uh, the cases that I've looked at or that I've found, if it doesn't kill you, it causes terrible cancer. It, it'll kill you through the cancer, but now not only are you dying, but you're going through this terrible cancer. And I did find an example of a patient of WeeWees who now has this terrible cancer diagnosis. Um, hmm. We know she did at least 1,600 procedures. That's what we know about. Right. She didn't build this empire in two years. Like no. she's been doing this for years. It, it's, it is insane. So it, the other problem is like we, we mentioned earlier, she can have multiple victims that have already died. They present with this pulmonary embolism. They get written off as a natural death mm -hmm. because they don't disclose. I got a wee wee booty. I've got silicone in me. And now it's a silicone pulmonary embolism. So, so very scary. However, none of this was lost on the judge. The judge saw the big picture, understands the big picture. Uh, Weewee's gonna get 60 years, and she's old enough that that means she's she's not gonna get out of prison. How old was she when she was sentenced? Um, she was 2017, I think, by the time the case finally went in, if I remember right. She was 51 today. She was released in 2077 if she serves the whole sentence, so she'll get out at 105. Oh. Um, she is eligible for parole, okay. so if she makes parole, she'll get out in, uh, and I think she's, she'll be 75, maybe Was 80. that her booking photo that you had there? Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that in just okay. a second. Um, what really caught me, though, that the judge said, and I love the way the judge summarized this, was that, quote, looking at the buckets of evidence, I have no idea how many clients there may be walking around on a time bomb. And she hit it right on the head. Mm -hmm. 1,600 procedures, if half of those women die from cancer or just straight up an embolism, that's 800 As victims. As a result of the silicone. Which is very likely, 800 victims. Like she should be serving 5,000 years as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. But yeah, I did find a booking photo. Is that Wee Wee's booking photo? It's not her booking, well, in a sense it is. It's her prison photo. And uh, what I'm gonna put up on the screen here is a compare contrast of the time she was arrested okay. to what she looks like in pr by the time she gets to prison. Okay. And I think it's very telling. Like, I don't know medically if I can say that she has the slip, the Jabba going here, but it looks you like know, it. Well, it does kind of look like it. Um, a, she doesn't have as much of her little ducky lip going on right, as she did in some right. of her other previous photos. So what you were describing with like the Duchess of Marlborough, that she, slip, yeah, I wonder she, if we're seeing she's that. She's the Duchess of Deep Ellum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, 
So, yeah. You've been elevated. Yeah, I think that the takeaway of this story is we have no idea how many more victims are going to die at the expense of Wee Wee's crazy booty injections. Um, obviously, don't do silicone. Like, love your natural. Don't do silicone. It's bad, bad, bad stuff. Um, and we're going to close out with this. A, a couple things I want to throw out there. We did not get into any of our background or history. There's no nonsense BS back and forth about Carrie and I's personal stuff. However, we do have um, some tea room episodes. So that's kind of where we spill the tea a little bit about ourselves. We get some offbeat it's content. The, of the who personal yip yap back and forth. We're going to try to keep our our podcast episodes strictly on the crime and the investigative piece. And if you're just interested in finding more out about us, that's the socialite tea room. And we're calling it the tea room because Carrie loves to drink these crazy blends of tea. And I will be drinking a crazy blend of something else. Um, but yeah, to other special content in the tea room as well that I, I really believe our listeners will enjoy. So. A lot of technical talk where we're going to get into law enforcement procedures. Like we'll try to pick a case that's really popular in the media at that point, and we'll explain some of the background of, of what's happening there. Uh, the other thing we want to do at the close of this is give a shout out to a friend of ours, Jerry Williams. Congrats. Uh, I think she's dropping her 300th yes, her th episode. 300th episode. Uh, Jerry does a podcast called the FBI Retired Case File. Um, and we were lucky enough to to meet her and hang out with her for a while. Got to, got to do a dinner with Jerry. And she's just an awesome, awesome person. If you haven't checked Jerry out, um, she's a legend. Um, so congrats, Jerry. Super, super Happy cool for, for you. Happy for you, Jerry. And uh, other than that, I think this is a wrap. So join us next week for another recounting of misdeeds. We got a great episode for you next week. I can't wait to get that one out. And until then, stay safe. Have a good week.